Gresham College presents Counting What Counts by Dr. Laura Davison. Thanks, Michael, and good afternoon, everybody here. Um, I'm really pleased to be talking today about some of the challenges that are inherent in measuring cities, as this is something that the research team at the City of London spend really quite a lot of time grappling with. We try and look at a whole range of ways to understand the City of London's characteristics. For example, its residents, its businesses and its workforce. And these are the sorts of things which I'll focus on today. What I'm going to do is give you a whistle-stop lightning speed tour through just a few of the practical challenges that we face and set the context for you as to why we work with experts such as those who are speaking on the panel today. So... Let me begin then by sort of setting the context for you, giving you a map of the London boroughs, and you can see, I hope, the arrow there pointing to the city, that tiny little area in the very centre. And if you look at the city in that way, by its boundaries, the city of London is really very small, just over one square mile, hence the name, the square mile. It's about 0.2% of London's area, and about a tenth of the size of some of our neighbouring boroughs. So you might be feeling a little cynical right now. Michael introduced the City of London as one of the hardest cities to measure, and you might be thinking that surely something that's tiny might be very, very simple to measure. That's not entirely the case. Some of the challenges that we face are common to other areas, and some of them are characteristic to us. Let me start by putting up a map which comes from a recent Guardian article This maps the most common causes of death in London boroughs. And you can see that where the city is, again, that little arrow pointing to it, it's just a blank with no data apparent there. Unfortunately, this is something that we get quite a lot with our resident population. This might seem less surprising when you look at how the death rates are being measured per 100,000 of population. That's a pretty common approach. And you might remember from the Lord Mayor's talk earlier that actually our resident population is pretty small, about 7,500 residents. Well, nearly half a million people died in England and Wales in 2012. If you look at age standardised death rates and try and figure this out, you might reckon that about 40 of those were in the city of London. 40. To put that in context, that's smaller than the number of people who died that year falling off a ladder, which is about 60. So... Our resident population is really very small, and this means that measuring these characteristics can give some very small and potentially pretty unreliable numbers, and it also makes looking at change over time challenging. I'm not sure I should be showing you this, given that you're in the middle of the city, but here's a chart that plots the robbery rates in the city last year. And if you just have a look at that for a minute, you might conclude that you'd be much, much safer visiting the city in summer where those rates are quite low, but in mortal peril if you were to visit in January or February. There were actually three times as many robberies in January and February as in June and August. It's a tout for our summer business, but in actual fact, every grid line there actually represents just one robbery. (laughs) That is, the numbers vary from a low of two during the summer to a high of six. So this gives some very large-sounding changes for just a few small actual instances. And again, this is a problem we get quite a lot for our residential population. Because the numbers are so small, when change occurs, it's hard to tell what's real genuine change and what's just a natural variance underlying it. Okay, 
So this is our residential population. And as I said, the measurement challenges come a lot from the small numbers and the consequent lack of availability of data. Take a look for a minute at this map of London's population densities. And you might be forgiven for a minute for thinking that absolutely no one at all lives here in the city. In fact, there are large swathes of London where very few people live. The seemingly blank white areas on the map generally include things like water, parks and woodland, transport, commercial and industrial usage. In fact, areas where you wouldn't normally expect people really to be living. But in other ways, this map is quite misleading for the city. Because our city residents, and I don't know if any of you are here tonight, but our city residents are actually quite densely located in particular areas, such as the Barbican. So if you charted this at this a much finer level of geographic data, you'd see some really densely packed hotspots. But, okay, maybe not that many people overall, relatively speaking. Let's look at the city's workforce population, however. And again, I've added a helpful arrow so you can see where we are, although it's a little bit easier this time. What a difference. So before we had that big void in the data, a gap in the data availability, and suddenly you've now got the City of London as that really big spike in terms of population density. In fact, around three times the density of the daytime population of the next borough, Westminster. If you look at absolute numbers, if you take the most recent employment figures for 2012 from Brez, we're currently the second largest in terms of actual employment figures, currently approaching about 400,000 in the workforce in the city. So obviously, this means that measurements of our workforce and the business population are normally both much easier to find and much more reliable. But obviously, we have then a daytime and a nighttime population of very different sizes with some very different measurement characteristics, but still in that tiny geographic area, which can lead to some apparent anomalies. So what I'm showing you here are a couple of charts from a recent Centre for Cities report, which looked at inner London's economy at a very close level, at the ward level. So let me give you one statement which is entirely accurate in the report and which is reflected in the top chart. Two West End wards, St James and Covent Garden and Holborn, account for 21% of private sector employment in inner London. By comparison, the entire city of London only accounts for 16%. That might make us sound a little bit pitiful, relatively speaking. We're not even as good as two wards. But of course, it does overlook the fact that the entire city of London is in fact smaller than the single ward of St James, and less than two-thirds the size of both wards combined. If, though, you look at density, as in the bottom chart, the picture's very different. Here, we now have the highest levels of employment density, which are those very dark shades, and, as you've just heard, the second highest employment numbers. So, obviously, you can see that what you choose to look at and how you choose to report it can make a very big difference to the picture that you get. And this is equally true with official data, of course. There's a wealth of useful central sources out there, which include, for example, the Office for National Statistics, NOMIS for Labour Statistics, government departments like BIS, HMLC, and, of course, the Census. But with so much choice, you have to be pretty clear about what you're choosing to measure and what the results that you get actually mean. So one big issue lots of people look at is unemployment, for example, where it's not as simple as whether you have a paid job or don't have a paid job. You might not want to be able to work or be able to. You might be studying or you might be retired. 
And there are two common measures, claimant count and unemployment. On this chart, you can see how these differ for the UK and indeed how they've got more divergent over time. Unfortunately, I can't show you this chart for the city, as we do have claimant count numbers, which are registered as actual individuals who sign up, but we don't have unemployment from the Labour Force survey on a residence basis because it's carried out as a survey. And again, looking at the population of different areas, our survey numbers, unfortunately, are too small to be reported. So this means that we get a lot of our unemployment data from the census, which again, of course, is measured as actual individuals and which is great for us every 10 years. So the general point here, of course, is that you have to be pretty precise in knowing what you're measuring. And one way, of course, to be precise is to define things so that you're clear what's being measured and reported and everybody else has that same understanding too. In fact, ideally, everybody would use the same definition so that you can make comparisons across. This text comes from the Standard Industrial Classification 2007 manual, which tries to ensure that across Europe, people are measuring and reporting the same things when they look at different types of business activity. It's very detailed. It's about 240 pages. And we're lucky for the city that financial services, which we use a lot, is relatively short at seven pages. But there are anomalies. I suspect from the chuckling, some of you have spotted one of the anomalies here. So even in the tiny snippet I've shown, the subset of manufacturing defined as the manufacturer of brooms and brushes, which you would think sounds pretty specific, it actually excludes rubber brushes. For those, you have to go to section 22.19, manufacture of other rubber products. And there are a number of other things in the manufacture of other rubber products too, including rubber articles of apparel, as long as they're sealed together, not sewn. So, like I say, it's pretty specific. In addition, these codes were first released in 1948, and they don't stay constant. We're on about the seventh revision since then. And even the very most recent update from 2003 to 2007 has brought some huge changes. Some areas have moved to different categories, and a whole new category has been created around information and communications. These changing definitions reflect our changing world and businesses, of course, but obviously they make comparisons over time really difficult when the definition of something changes. Well, like I said, that's a whistle-stop tour, but hopefully by now you're getting a bit of a flavour of the way in which sometimes existing measures work for us and sometimes they bring their own problems. Sometimes the things that we want to know about either simply aren't measured at all, sometimes they aren't defined in a way that makes sense to us, and sometimes they have to be interpreted with a very great deal of care. And this is why we spend a very great deal of time working with other people on bespoke measurements in response to specific questions. And just to give you a couple of examples... These range from large-scale street surveys looking at the health of our workforce, and that literally involves asking people on the street, building new measures of complex and multifaceted aspects and concepts such as city competitiveness, as Tony referred to and as CN do a lot of, or working with experts who have specially compiled data and tracking measures. And Martin will be talking today in a minute about some research we've released, actually very today, tracking firm migration. And there are many other different things we look at, and obviously I can't talk about them all today, but I do hope that I've piqued your interest enough that you might want to have a look at some of these. Um, They're all freely available to download from the City of London's website. So to conclude and go back really to the question of whether we're simply measuring the measurable, then obviously, in a sense, yes, we're measuring what we can across a whole range of topics, using different approaches and focusing on different populations. 
but we are at least trying to understand the questions that we're asking and what the answers mean, while being aware of the pitfalls and the limitations of measurement and definitions. So perhaps not so simply, after all. Thank you. For all information, please go to www.gresham.ac.uk.